So we're going to continue today um, as we've been talking through uh, the last few times that I've taught about who we are uh, as living stones and then who and what we are about as a church. And I hope that even as we sang this morning that you would know as we've walked through our mission and our vision that it's all about Jesus. And we're sharing this and walking through this process so that uh, you can know about us, get to know us, who we are as a church, if you want to be in a committed relationship with us. Whether you want to start that relationship or continue in that relationship, you need to know about us to be able to walk with us and have that information up front. And if you've been listening and you're considering being in relationship with us, you've heard over and over and over again that we're all about relationships. Our mission is to be and make disciples who are fully in relationship with Jesus Christ. Our vision is to become a gospel-centered community where the fullness of our relationships have been and are being made right where our relationships are being reconciled, our relationships are being restored with God, with each other, uh, within ourselves and even with the creation, that God is restoring and reconciling those relationships. But if that's why we exist and, and that's what we are becoming, that's what God is making us, what do we do now? How do we live that out together? If that's our mission and this is our vision, then how do we actually move forward? How do we walk through this together? We need something to guide us. And as we look at God's Word, I think there are values as a church that we have that would guide us in this life together. And you will see that these values are also connected to relationships. And so I've made this diagram I want to share with you about these different types of relationships. And if I had five minutes to describe our church, I would start with this triangle and I would go for it. Okay? I'm not going to talk about part of it, but... This diagram demonstrates the direction of our relationships, okay? So how do we live in these relationships? What's the, the direction of the relationships that we have? And you can see that there, first and primary, is this upward direction, okay? Going up. That we are gospel-driven. That everything that we are and everything that we do is because of and through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. That's where we start. That's the priority. That's first. In that vertical direction, up. But then there's also a direction in, in the church, and then out with our neighbors. Okay, so if we are about this up direction relationship with God, God, then we're also going to be about relationships in the church and we're going to be about relationships with our neighbors. Relationships up that results in relationships in the church and relationships out with our neighbors. Okay? 
Those are our relationships. These are our values. Gospel-driven, church-centered, and neighbor-focused. Everything that we do is because we're gospel-driven, and everything that results from that is either church-centered or neighbor-focused. It all falls in those categories. And we should be doing both those things, being church-centered and neighbor-focused, if we are gospel-driven. And I hope that you see in that diagram uh, attention. Like, if you're gospel-driven, then how are you going to be both church-centered and neighbor-focused? It sounds like you can't be both those things at the same time. And I would say that's intentional. And I would say that's biblical. As we read God's Word, we will see that tension communicated and we should feel it as we live life together, as we follow Jesus Christ in these different relationships. So today we're going to talk about church-centered. And next time we will talk about neighbor focus. Y la próxima vez vamos a hablar sobre estar centrados en el vecindario, en la comunidad. Alright, so what I want to do in this time today and the next time is actually just be in 1 Peter. We're going to be in 1 Peter 1 and then next week a little bit into 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to walk through a lot of chapter 1. Just I'm going to give you summaries. We're not going to read through it all. I'm just going to give you the context and then we're going to stop and we're going to camp on verse 22 of chapter 1 as we consider this idea of being church-centered. All right, so this is Peter's letter to the church. He's writing to followers of Jesus. And let me just start. I will read verse 3 through verse 4. Again, to give us context for where we're going to be today. Verse 3, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. So the gospel brings us into this process. The gospel continues us in this process. And the gospel will finish us in this process. And I hope that that sounds very familiar to what we spent a few years talking about through Hebrews. Because I can draw that passage like this. Right? Does that look familiar to you guys? You, you remember this diagram? He, he's given us this new birth, right? Look at, the, look at verse 3 and verse 4. He's given us this new birth, this living hope, now that we continue through life with this living hope for this salvation, this inheritance, this eternal inheritance that is coming. Like Peter is saying the same thing that the author of Hebrews described. We begin, God started that, God initiated that, God is continuing us with this living hope and he will finish with this inheritance. And what does it say in the passage that all that is through? 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Through the gospel, through Jesus, we begin, we continue, and we finish. So when we begin, when we continue, and when we finish, we are gospel driven. Because of and through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. That's why we move forward. That's why we began and that's why we finish. Okay? I, I don't want to skip over that. I, I want to go back to that and reset and remind us that, that we are gospel driven because we're gospel driven, which is what we talk about every week and what we've been talking about the last t- times that I've preached. I don't want us just to think, oh, he's just talking about being church-centered. It's because we're gospel-driven, then therefore we're going to be church-centered. And Peter is communicating this. In verse 5 through 12, he describes this salvation that we have through the gospel. And then in verse 13 through 21, Peter is essentially telling the church, telling us to be gospel-driven in every area of our lives. Let the gospel impact and move you and drive you in every area of your lives. Okay, This is Peter's message. We didn't make this up. This is biblical. This is throughout the scripture. And I just want to show you Um, how it's demonstrated, how it's communicated, that it's right there before us. And so as we slow down, in verse 22, we'll see that these lives that are being driven by the gospel are lived out and occur in relationships. That's what's described here in 1 Peter. And if you go back and you look at everything that comes before verse 22, you'll see what kind of relationships that Peter is referring to. It doesn't say it directly, but there are these hints, there are these clues. In verse 4, he talks about an inheritance. What do you have to be a part of to get the inheritance? You have to be a part of the family, right? If you're not in the family, right, you don't get the inheritance. But he's talked about this inheritance that we receive because we are in the family. If you look at verse 14, he says, as obedient children, talking about us. So we have this inheritance because we're in the family, and then we are to be obedient children, verse 14. Later in verse 17, it says, since you call on a father, Father. All of the relationships that are being communicated have this family perspective. If we are gospel driven, we will focus on the family. And I don't mean our nuclear family. All right? I'm taking those words back. And if God's word says, if you are gospel driven, you'll focus on the family, on my family, on the church family. So consider family relationships. What's your perspective on family relationships? They're more frequent. They're more intimate. 
and they're more connected. Your immediate family and our culture that you live with and share space with and do life with, right? You're more intimate. You're more connected. You're, it's more frequent that you interact with your family that you share life and live with. Right? That, that's true in our culture about the nuclear family. And I think it's even more intimate and more connected for siblings. If you think about my house, I've got four girls in one room and four boys in the other room. They live life together. They sleep in the same room, they wake up in the same room, they get ready in the same room, they sit at the same table, they ride in the same van, many of them go to the same schools. All of their life, the, the largest majority of their life is connected and shared with their brothers and sisters even more than it's shared with and connected with their mom or dad. It's just the reality. If you've got siblings, you grew up with them. You had the same mom and dad, but you grew up with your siblings. And it's no different. In my house, Karina had two years that she was in high school at Cleveland by herself. I can't. She had two years there by herself. She had been in this middle school where from kindergarten through eighth grade, all of her brothers, her brother and her sisters had been with her. And then she got this independence and went to high school. And for two years, she was Karina Fuller. Oh, that's, that's Karina. And then last year, Mariana was a freshman at Cleveland, and suddenly, at different times, Karina was not just Karina Fuller, but, oh, you're Mariana's sister. You're not Karina, you're Mana's sister. And now, next year, this year, in a week, Oran is going to go to Cleveland, and Karina and Mariana and Oran will all be at the same high school at the same time. And my girls are concerned that they're not going to be Karina or Mariana or even Mariana's sister. They're going to be Oran's sister. And that may be for good reasons, that might be for bad reasons. Right? But, but like, their identity is wrapped up in their siblings. Like, they, they can't even have their own life when they leave our house. They go to school and they're just known by who they're related to. Do we see our relationships, our family relationships in the church in the same way. That, that makes sense when I talk about it within our families, right? These nuclear families. But do we think that way? Do we think that we should be intimate and connected and identified with each other as brothers and sisters in this family, in this church, in as a part of Christ's body? Because if we consider it biblically, that's true. If we consider it according to the world, right, we've created this sub-category. Here's my family, here's the church, and here's my other relationships. And sometimes my other relationships, they might compete with the church. I know biblically I should probably have my relationships in the church be a little more important than my other relationships in the world. That's pretty normal. 
when it should be, here's my family relationships, here's my church family relationships. They're both important. They're both intimate. They're both connected. They're, I'm focused. I'm considering both of them and living in those relationships together. And then here are my other relationships that I have. This, this subcategory that we've created about the church family, it's not biblical. And so I want us to consider this passage and what Peter is saying from a family perspective. Seeing each other in that way. He is speaking to us and communicating to us as family. We need to consider and have the perspective as we look around this room that we're family. And for us to hear this passage as it was originally intended in the context and as Peter would have written it is for us to believe that we're family. I want you to look to your left, to your right, in front of you and behind you. All right? Okay. Did everybody look? <laughs> Those next to you and gathered here with you are your brothers and sisters. They're your siblings. That's the truth that God's Word describes. But it is not the reality that we regularly live out. We actually don't value that. It's not something that guides us. Right? We're not actually church family centered. If that was our value, then we would be engaging and intimate and connected and identified in these relationships with each other. So, I want us to have a family perspective. And so as I read verse 21 through 23, I want everyone who is able to get up, to change seats, wait for my directions, okay? You've got to change your seats, you've got to sit in a different section, and you've got to sit next to someone different than you're sitting to now. So get out of your seat, move to a different section, and don't sit next to someone that you are sitting to sitting with now. I'm very serious. I will not continue until everyone is either sitting by someone new. Everybody's at least by someone different. I appreciate it, Tim, but if you understand the map, look how full now the middle is, which means the middle was empty. You guys are drawn to the walls. <laughs> All right, everybody's uncomfortable? Everybody, uh, but this is not who I 
chose to sit by. All right. Sometimes family is uncomfortable. It's not comfortable to be in my family. So now, what I want you to do is from where you're at, sit, stand, but you just need to adjust. And I want, as we read God's word to us as a family, I want us to be connected. And I want everyone to be holding someone else's hand. <laughs> All right? I'm serious. Everyone holds someone else's hand. So Tim, you're holding someone, but you got to be connected. So when no one is disconnected, okay? So you got to reach across to an aisle. Uh, Rebecca and Jordan, you guys are going to have to scoot for a minute. So everyone is holding someone else's hand. Who's holding someone else's hand? No one is disconnected. There should actually be only two people who have an open hand. Oh. <laughs> Come on, Rebecca. Will the, will the circle be unbroken? I don't know. We can sing that song after. All right, you guys ready? Does everybody feel intimate and connected? My heart is melting. This, this, this is a little more impactful than just looking around. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're connected, we're related, right? Now, I want us to have this perspective as we hear and receive God's Word. So I'll read this first in English, in Grace, in Spanish. But I'm going to read this in proper Southern English. Okay? Because the English, if you just read it straight, you can't tell when the U is singular or the U is plural. But in, in my native tongue, in Southern, right, we use y'all for a few people or all y'all for all y'all in this room, okay? All y'all is a big group. And so I'm going to use proper Southern English. The Spanish is much better than English. It already communicates, whether it's singular or plural. Okay? But I'll read in proper Southern English and Grace will read in Spanish. Verse 21 through 23. Through Him, all y'all believe in God who raised Him from the dead and glorified Him. And so all y'all's faith and hope are in God. Now that all y'all have purified all y'all selves by obeying the truth so that all y'all have sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart for all y'all have been born again. Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring Word of God. How did that feel? It changes everything when we're connected and intimate and realize our relationship that we have together as family. Alright, you guys can let go of each other's hands. Don't move seats. I mean, you know, sit where you're comfortable next to your family. <laughs> All right, so the big idea 
if we are actually gospel driven. Okay? If we are actually following Jesus Christ as his disciples, then we have the ability to be church centered and we will grow in our skill to be church centered. Okay? So if we are following Jesus Christ, we have the capacity to love one another. And we should grow in our performance, in our, um, I need another word for skill, in our, uh, our, in our actions, right? Thank you, Melanie. So, right? We, we, we have this capacity to love each other and we'll grow in our actions of loving each other. So I want to talk about our ability to love one another. The beginning of verse 22, it says, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have a sincere love for each other. I want to explain this verse. In the Jewish faith, you had to prepare, you had to purify, you had to be cleansed in order to go into the temple and to be in the presence of God. You had to do all those things so that you could have a relationship or worship God, so that you could have this vertical relationship. And this is literally saying that our souls, our souls as a family, us, those who are following Jesus, our souls have been purified so that we can have this vertical relationship. And that's through Jesus Christ, through His life, through His death, through His resurrection. So the ability to be church-centered starts with and comes from being gospel-driven. We don't begin with that truth. We don't begin with our vertical relationship. We do not have the ability to be church-centered, to love each other. We can't start by loving each other. We start by loving God. And as a result of loving God, then we love each other. If we don't love God, if we're not gospel-driven, we will never, ever, ever actually get to loving one another. But I want you to see how connected loving God and loving each other, this vertical relationship and these horizontal relationships in the church are. Because when you look at that verse, it says you've been purified by obeying this truth, by, by responding to the gospel. The truth of the gospel is what's being referred to here. It says so that for a sincere love for each other. You obey the truth so that you have a sincere love for each other. You're gospel driven so that you have this church-centered 
ability. The gospel is the cause. The immediate effect, it is for, the immediate effect is so that we can actually love each other. The gospel is the cause. The immediate effect, immediate effect, it says it is for these loving relationships. It says we were reconciled with God so that we could have this sincere, the Greek is Philadelphia, this sincere sibling love. You were reconciled and now, as a result of that reconciliation with God, you have this sibling love for each other. And it's not you will have it, you have. Okay? If you have been reconciled with God, if the gospel is true in your life, then you have, we have right now the ability to love each other, to be church-centered. It's, this ability won't come later. We have the ability now. Everyone in this room has the ability, if you're gospel-driven, following Jesus Christ, then you have the ability to love one another. And if we have that ability because of the gospel, then we should practice. We should develop, we should grow in our skills of loving one another. Like, but what's the difference? And we got hung up on it before. What's the difference between an ability to love, this Philadelphia, this sibling love as it describes, and this skill of loving, this practice of loving? Abilities is something that in our lives we naturally have. Or in this case, it's something that we supernaturally have. Because of the gospel, now we all supernaturally, through the Holy Spirit, have the ability to love one another that we did not have before our vertical relationship with God was made right. Does that make sense? Before the gospel, you did not have, I did not have, we did not have the ability to love one another. None of us did. But because we began with the gospel and we're continuing with this hope, now we all have this ability to love each other. In our physical lives, it's something that's natural. In our spiritual life, that ability is something that's supernatural. And it was given to all of us. But skills come from training. Come from practice. Come from experiencing. Grace is bilingual. She speaks English and Spanish. She can go back and forth, back and forth. If grace 
did not practice English for five years, do you think her skills on a Sunday morning would be different for interpreting? If she didn't hear English, she didn't speak English, she, she did not practice it, she didn't experience it, would she be able to then hear and interpret into English in the same level, in the same way? No. Uh, she, would, she would still have the ability, but her skills would, would fall off. Her skills would be rusty. I, used, I have the ability to play basketball. But my skills are not the same as they were a long time ago. Because I haven't practiced. I haven't experienced it. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. And so my skills are not the same, but I still, I know I have the ability to play basketball. But I'm not practicing it. And here it's saying, as you continue in verse 22, it says, so, alright, you have this love, you have this Philadelphia, this sibling love, so the rest of verse 22 is, love one another deeply from the heart. You have Philadelphia. So now go and agape. Put the other person before yourself. Go practice that. You have this ability that's been given to you through the Holy Spirit. Now it is our job as we continue to be gospel driven, to actually practice, to actually experience loving one another, to live that out. Does that make sense? But you're thinking, I am terrible at relationships. I don't do relationships. I prefer to be alone. I tried relationships once, it didn't work. And I would ask you, are you practicing relationships? Are you intentional about relationships? Are you regularly loving others around you? Because you may not currently have the skill to love each other. Your skills may need work. But I promise, and God's word is clear, that you have the ability to love each other. You have the supernatural ability to love each other. And the only way to grow in those skills of loving each other is to actually do it to pursue it to be intentional about it to, to engage with each other to share your life with each other to be intimate with each other to be connected with each other the only way that your skill will improve is by doing it you improve your interpretation by interpreting Right? That's how the world works. That's how it works for us. And if we don't participate in that, if we don't practice in these relationships, loving each other, our skill will not grow. 
we must practice, we must train, we must seek the experience of loving each other in the church and in and through relationships. And that's what I want you to know about us. We're going to do that. And we're going to keep doing that. And we're going to practice that as a family. And we're going to attempt to do that intensely. And we're going to attempt to do that intentionally. Again and again and again and again. Now and later and after that and after that. As long as we are together as a family, we are going to be about these church-centered relationships. And we are going to practice those church-centered relationships in loving each other because God has given us, as a result of the gospel, the ability to love one another. And he says, Go and love each other now. If you are not intentional, if you are not attempting to do that, if you're not in those relationships, you're not being obedient to His Word. He's given you this ability this, that you're wasting. We, living stones, will not do this perfectly. We will not love each other in these relationships in the church perfectly. And we may not do it well. But we're committed to continue doing it. We won't stop. Anything that is worth doing is worth doing poorly. So we'll continue poorly trying to love each other so that our skill to love each other will develop and we can live out the truth of the gospel more and more together. Don't think, oh, but this person's too hard or that person is this or I can't do that. Practice. Continue. You have the ability. So if we are actually gospel-driven, we have the ability to be church-centered, to love each other, and we will grow in our skill to be church-centered, to love each other. If we're not growing in that, then we need to adjust. We should be practicing and growing. Practicing and growing. And so I want to end by practicing our skills of being church-centered. We're going to hold hands again. All right. I said we would practice again and again and again, okay? So you got to move. you got to be intentional. You can't just sit where you're at and hope that somebody's hand comes by. You've actually got to move again and actually hold each other's hands and be intentional and be thoughtful to be connected and intimate with each other. It does not happen unless you do it. So everybody, 
should be connected with someone else. With your family. We should all feel uncomfortable again. Now, if we did this every Sunday, which I'm praying about doing, if we did this every Sunday, which I'm prayerfully considering, and then we should just like, the whole message we should, you know, be like this. Would it feel less uncomfortable? Would it would actually become, begin to become normal? Like, oh yeah, when we're together, we're like family. We, we sit close to each other on the sofa. We don't go to the same seat in the living room every time that we gather together. We're interacting with each other and I'm choosing to see this brother and that sister and engage with them and be intimate with them. And I do that not just when we get together, but when we're outside, when we're inside the house, when we're outside the house, all throughout the week, our lives should be connected this way. And if we did that, it wouldn't feel so uncomfortable and we would all be better at it and the world would see it and Jesus Christ would be made much of. They would know who He is by our love for one another. But we can't do that unless we actually are willing to be uncomfortable and to continue to practice this agape, this love that we have the ability to live out. So I want to read 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Because he says, therefore, after kind of going through all this, and yes, I, 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 I didn't go through every word, every passage, okay? That's not what this message is about. But as he gets to that and he finishes that section, he says, therefore, okay, you understand all of this, therefore, I want you to look at each other. Have somebody look around as I say these words. Therefore, stop. What's that? Oh, sorry, Grace. Come on. See, it's not natural, and we need each other to remind us to do this thing that we have the ability to do. What a great illustration. Stop. This is to our family. This is to us. Hold on. The screen. The last verse. Not the. See, even he is part of your family. Right? Like, we don't get to pick and choose. And that's the reality. And that's the beauty. And all these barriers, right? These ethnic barriers, these cultural barriers, these language barriers, these class barriers, they would be broken down and we'll still gather or join our hands and gather around what? Around who? Around Jesus Christ. Around the gospel. Around who He is and what He has done. We are family. Amen? Alright, sorry. Stop. Entonces, no hagan being hateful to each other. El uno Quit trying to no fool people and start being sincere. No sean that one hurts. Ese duele. Don't be jealous no sean or say cruel things about others. Unos a otros. That's to us. As we look at each other. Our family. Living stones. Piedras vivas. 
in our relationships. Stop those things. Put those things away. Practice putting those things away. So as you still hold hands, as you still look at each other, as you've heard God's word, I want you to consider it within our family. Have you deceived someone in the body by acting like you are something that you're not? Have you been jealous of someone in this family wishing you were in their situation? Or have you talked negatively about someone to make yourself feel better? Practice stopping. Let me pray. God, how amazing that we can call you Father. That you have given us the privilege to be your sons and daughters. And that you have brought us into your family because of who you are, Jesus, and because of what you have done. And we get to continue together until the finish, until this inheritance, this heavenly inheritance, as brothers and sisters, as siblings, loving one another. God, you've given us that supernatural ability that we did not have before. And I pray, God, that in this body, in living stones, that we would practice loving each other, being church-centered, living out those relationships, connected and intimate, and that we would be intentional about these relationships. God, help us to think this way. Help us to think and have the perspective about our family according to your word. Help us to be gospel-driven so that we can be church-centered. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.